everybody. Welcome to the 270th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. It's age here, ready to talk about this very, very athletic shooting guard out of Purdue. How are you today, good sir? I'm doing well. Uh, I always enjoy these these lunchtime recordings. It's a nice kind of break in my day. I get to chat with you uh, about the draft and prospects, which is actually one of my like biggest things I enjoy nerding out about. I almost enjoy it more than watching other NBA games, uh, just because I, I like to see what what the future is and how these prospects are going to to turn out there, there's a kind of a, a little bit of a thrill in it for me, like looking back and be like, I was right about that player. Like there's something enjoyable that, that I get inherently about this being like, yeah, I, I could be a scout. And there's other times like, holy shit, what was I thinking? I was so far out of left field on this other prospect. So it's fun to kind of hone your own skills and find the traits that translate looking for red flags, but looking for things that players can do rather than talk about things they can't do. Uh, So we are going to be discussing a very special prospect, uh, a prospect who has now taken this draft class from a top three to a top four, uh, four player draft class, just the way he has been performing this year. As you mentioned, uh, he is from Purdue University. He goes by the name of Jaden Ivey. He is a 6'4", 200 pound guard. He is 19 years old. He will be uh, 20 by the time the draft uh, takes place this June. He is from South Bend, Indiana. He was a four star by rivals and the number 79 player nationally in the class of 2020. He chose Purdue over the likes of Butler, Indiana, and Notre Dame. you know this, I know this, but our audience may not. His family runs on basketball and sports. Uh, his mother, Niel, is the head woman's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Um, she's been an assistant coach with the Memphis Grizzlies. She was an All-American basketball player at Notre Dame. Uh, I believe she was playing with the Indiana Fever of the WNBA when she gave birth to Jaden. Um so Jaden grew up around some of the all-time great basketball players at Notre Dame, uh, Skylar Diggins, Arike Agumbawale, Jewel Lloyd. Uh, he has basketball kind of pumping through his veins, like most people from Indiana. Indiana is a basketball state. They live and breathe the sport. His father was a sixth-round draft pick of the Baltimore Ravens in the 20 or 2002 NFL draft. So it's in his DNA. His mother and father both went to Notre Dame. I don't know how Notre Dame let him go to Purdue. Like he was in their backyard. They probably should have tried a little harder to get just a really fascinating prospect with all the tools that you want in a most likely shooting guard. To be fair, uh, Purdue is a damn good team. They are currently uh, fourth in the polls. Uh, both the coaches in the AP poll, they are 15 and three. They will probably slide down just a bit. They suffered a close defeat at the hands of the Indiana Hoosiers uh, yesterday in Bloomington. But that Purdue team is is legit, probably the best team that I have seen with my eyes this year in terms of their depth, their size, their skill, uh, the different facets that they can really attack a team with. Uh, there's a lot of consistency there. You know, head coach Matt Painter has been there. Uh, since 2005, I mean, that Purdue program has kind of been built around consistency at the top. In the 90s, it was all about Gene Cady. Obviously, people remember Glenn Big Dog Robinson coming out of Purdue being that number one pick in 94. And then they made a really smooth transition into Matt Painter. So it, it kind of made sense for him to go to Purdue, still stays in, in the state. But yeah, it's it's a big miss right now if you're looking, at, if you're a Notre Dame Irish fan, because there's so much lineage there in history and you see this player who's probably going to be a top four pick in the draft and uh, just let him slip through the cracks. It it happens. And it's. uh, I had no idea where Purdue was located. Zero. Now, you know, because it's a Jaden Ivey. (laughs) Yeah. I was like "Hmm, somewhere in the Midwest. I have no idea. How many, how many uh, Purdue games have you watched so far? I'm at like, 
three and a half. I have watched a highlight package. I have watched uh, the Big Ten Network is putting out, I think, weekly features on Jaden Ivey. Very similar vibes to the license to Lillard mm-hmm. uh, content that we saw Dame and his agency put out um, in the 2020-2012 draft cycle. I watched this game that we are going to be discussing against North Carolina. And then I watched yesterday's game against Indiana, the full first half, and then the detailed highlights from the second half. And thankfully, uh, what we'll be talking about now, I think still relates to how he's playing at the the time of this recording, which is uh, the 21st of of January. And and through the 21st of January, uh, here are the the statistics for Jaden Ivey. He's averaging 16.7 points. Uh, doing that on 48.5% shooting from the field, 42.4% from downtown, 74.7% from the line, grabbing five boards, handing out two and a half, 2.9 assists, all in 29.3 minutes with a 24.7 player efficiency rating. Did you say, I, I feel bad about this. Did you say his three-point shooting percentage? 42.4%. Freshman year, Jaden Ivey was a really poor shooter. And then he really brought his shooting up to uh, I don't think that 42% is going to happen in the league, but he is a respectable shooter now. There was times where he was like the microwave guy, but now it's actually consistent. He is a good shooter. But I think the number one skill set that we have to talk about is his athleticism. I know that there's a lot of athletes that play basketball, but I feel like he utilizes his athleticism the best I've seen in a long time. He definitely has a straight line speed, but when you see him on cuts and movement, you see that elusive speed that he has that it it reminds you of those super quick point guards in, in the NBA. Do you think that he has the dribbling ability to utilize that wonderful speed to create mismatches on the defensive end. Yeah, I think he's a secondary playmaker and ball handler. I don't know if he's going to project to be that lead guard, which again, I think makes him such an interesting prospect to evaluate. You mentioned his athleticism. I thought that jumped off the page right, right from the jump. I mean, the first play of the game, he comes off of a curl, one dribble, and he's at the rim, finishing with his right hand, and he's already got an NBA body. He, he can finish through contact. It doesn't look like it's slowing him down. He doesn't look like he's too heavy. You talked about his uh, speed and quickness. Uh, you notice it on the curls. Uh, Fran Fraschilla was calling this game. He even pointed it out. Like, watch how he moves off the ball. He cuts with a purpose, and he really makes his defender – kind of play honest defense. He's not just going to kind of stand in a corner. On the other hand, when he has the ball in his hand, you're right. It, it is very right-hand dominant. It is very much a, a one-dribble straight line move that he's going to have to improve on. But my God, the quickness with that first step, it, it, it's lightning quick. And he's the type of player that I felt like took over that game in the second half Without a ton of usage, he was playing the passing lanes. He was, you know, just making quick, decisive plays. He He's not, I, I didn't get the sense that he's just going to go up, go out there and, and chuck up a lot of shots. You can't really do it with this Purdue team. They are incredibly deep. They have two probably all-conference bigs. Um, Zach Eady and Travion Williams. Uh, Stefanovic probably has maybe the quickest release from three that, that I've seen in a long time coming out of college. Uh, they, they are loaded. And I think in a way that plays to his favor because he's learning how to play winning basketball and he's not having to do everything by himself. So he is able to let the game come to him. And to your question, he's going to have to improve his ball handling He's going to have to improve his, his decision-making. He, he loves to jump pass, especially on the break. Um, so that's why I think he, like when I, when I came into this game, I was like, okay, he's, he's six, four, six, five. He's got to be a point guard. No, I think he's a two guard that can play make. He's a two guard that can play make. He's not a point guard in the sense of, I don't think you're going to want him to be a lead guard. I think he can bend the defense. I think he can get into the paint, bend the defense. But when you get to that point where he bends the defense, it's kind of a question mark 
What is he going to do after that? I don't know if he can play make out of that, that, the rotating defense. There's some, there's some plays where it's like he, he straight line drives to the hoop and it's an obvious read where, Oh, I'm getting doubled or tripled. I can pass it to that shooter and it's going to be an easy pass. Boom. But I don't think that he's going to find that window as he's driving straight line speed. I think that his dribbling is good enough, but I think that his mentality of I'm getting this dunk might make his dribbling look worse than it actually is. Cause there were some stop start dribbles. There were some nice moves that he made to get to the straight line dunk. He kind of plays to he pl- kind of plays like an NBA 2K, and you have unlimited turbo. It's just I am. It, it is a lot of turbo, and I think he's going to need to learn how to harness that that a bit and and channel it because there were times where he looked a little out of control on drives. He didn't seem to know what he wanted to do with it once he got to the cup, and he kind of threw up some off balance looks. I think that's where he has the room to kind of grow and learn what he wants. Like, I don't know if he really understands just how athletic he is, if if that makes any sense. Like, here's what I can do. Okay, then let me do this. Like, let me start to build my counters because right now there there isn't a counter. It's it's one move and here's what I'm going to do. So once he gets more time on the court, continues to play, continues to grow. I mean, this even as impressive as he was, so far this year, he's still like a 19 year old prospect with a lot of room to grow. Like this is not a finished product by any stretch of the uh, imagination. And I, I did see that potential. So every time we do these future Fridays, my, my number one thing is flashes of brilliance. And I try to mark the plays that really kind of stand out to you because anytime you draft in the lottery, you need a player that's going to provide those flashes of brilliance that what could be the norm for them as they hit their peak. And there were really two plays that um, illustrated that beautifully for me. And the first one you just kind of touched on, it was in the first half of the game. He had that stop start dribble. He was able to free up the defender. He stepped back into an open three, which was pretty smooth and, and effortless from him. That's a big time NBA move. I mean, that's what you're going to have to do as a guard in this league with the ball in your hands. In the second half, he had back-to-back plays where he ran the break, got the ball from his his guard and just flushed it home, got the crowd energized as they were going up the court, picks the pocket at half court, and he just ended in another breakaway slam. So in the span of about 15 seconds, he completely turned the tide of that game just with two energizing plays. Uh, Carolina was on the verge of making a comeback, uh, nipping at the heels. Uh, Purdue had led the entire way up until that point. Ivy said no. And those are the type of plays that you need from a potential superstar. How are they going to impact the game? How are they going to kind of stop the bleeding And, and and what do they, how do they respond to adversity? I think he really did a lot of those things with, without the ball in his hands, which is so impressive, especially in today's NBA, where I, I think guys who can perform with lower usage are just ultra rare uh, and just so necessary because you can really only have one ball dominant player, I think, on the court in mm-hmm. today's free flowing uh, space and pace game. Mm-hmm. So do you believe in the shot? I looked at his feet and that might be the, yeah, his jump shot. So when he made it, his footwork and how he shot it looked great. I don't think that he's going to be like a movement shooter, like a Desmond Bain or like a a very active pull-up shooter. But when he stands still and his feet are straight, it looks good. But there's some times where he misses and his feet go every which way. And that's when I know, oh, I looked at the feet. They don't, it looks like it shouldn't go that way. He's missing this shot badly. So do you trust that his shot will be consistent enough to be like um, above average shooter in the league? Yeah, I I noticed his shot. He has decent form. It looks a little mechanical. I think it could be a little more free-flowing. I think the release needs to be quicker. I do agree with your assessment. I I don't think you're going to see 
a Devin Booker or a Clay Thompson coming off of screens and just catching and shoot. He definitely needs the the space and time to get his shot off. Thankfully, he has the athleticism to keep the defense at bay, which allows him to have that time and space to get the shot off. I think his shot is going to be passable. He's going mm-hmm. to be a streaky shooter. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a knockdown shooter. But when you look at players, um, I think Ja Morant is a really good comparison in how his shot has evolved. Like he's no longer a player that you are just saying, okay, shoot it. It's a dub if he takes the shot. Yeah, but he's he's not going to – his bread and butter is not going to be his jumper. His bread and butter is mm. going to get to the lane, and he, he's going to keep you honest with his shot. Can it can it improve? Does it need work? Yes, especially if he wants to have a, a, a lengthy career because, as we know, once you hit a certain age, the athleticism starts to drop, and you're going to need to be able to beat the defense other ways. So I think if he gets work – continues to put the time in. He's already made pretty good improvements, but I, I think if you're looking at least through that first contract, John Morant's kind of a good uh, status quo to keep in mind when thinking about Jaden Ivey in terms of, of the jump shot. Like he, he's going to have off nights, but I, I think if you do give him space, he can hit. And, and even in, I know we're talking about the North Carolina game, but I watched the Indiana game yesterday. And in that second half, he really took over and it was primarily from downtown. He had a lot of shots that were defender in face and he was able to pull up and hit. So I, I think he's going to be a bit of a streaky shooter, but that that's not where he's going to, uh, that's never going to be his calling card. Yeah. I remember watching, I think it was in this tournament last year. He came in off the bench and hit nine points in like 45 seconds. So he absolutely has that microwave ability. It's just, it's not going to be the consistency that you want from a shooter. I mean, it it's kind of have to has to be that perfect environment for him to shoot. Like you you see Dame and he he shoots and makes it in some messy messy environments. I don't think that you can have like shooters uh, defenders flying at him. But if a defender flies at him, that's the that's plus 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 situation for him because he can use his athleticism and make something happen. Um, I again this this might be from knowledge that I have for watching three or four games, three and a half games. I watched part of that Indiana game. I feel like his point of attack defense is great. Like the way he fights through screens. I don't think that his like footwork is great at fighting through the screens, but he gets through it because he's strong and athletic. But the part of defense that I think he is pretty bad at is that help side defense. I don't think he is going to be a good team defender. I think that he he just is more of that point of attack guy, which hell we need pretty badly, but he can't be point of attack all the time. And I, 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 I've seen him get back cut to to hell and back quite a few times. So how do you feel about his defense? I mean, the way he uses when he's engaged, the way he uses his, his athleticism is very, very impressive. I mean, he moves incredibly well laterally. That's mm-hmm. step one in, into becoming a, a a perennial all NBA type of defender is players that can move side to side um, and stay in front of stay in front of their 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 man. So I think he does, like you mentioned, he has really high defensive potential on on ball. I personally haven't seen enough off ball in the in the games that I have seen. His Either, either Matt Painter is putting him on a player that they know is is not going to get the ball or or teams aren't really attacking him. Mm. Um, like there's a lot of possessions where he's, you know, he's still engaged, but he's just like the play is away from him. And mm-hmm. his, his man is maybe he's conserving his energy offensively. That's their strategy. But I need to see more um, just because the college game is so different. They are posting up. They're, they're dumping it in down low. Uh, there's not as much pick and roll. So. Um, I think for me, it's personally too early to tell about how he's going to look off ball, but on ball, I think he has all the tools that that you would look for in, 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 in a good defender on the perimeter. I think that he's a really good scheme fit for what Chauncey Billups and Roy Rogers want to do, especially in pick and roll coverage because of his athleticism and because, because of his height, they put guards as a low man to defend the rolling big, right? I think that Jaden have a much better chance at making that defensive stop than CJ McCollum 
or Damian Lillard. I think he is kind of a scheme fit is everywhere except potentially off ball defense for uh, the trailblazers. And that's a definite bonus when you know that this guy has all the tools to be a good defender in your scheme. I think the most excited I get when I watch Ivy is in the open court. Like I, I noticed every time there's a rebound, he puts his head down and he flies down the court. Like it reminded me of watching Jerome Kersey and all those old highlights. As soon as the ball was rebounded, Kersey like knew where he needed to be. He knew where he wanted the ball and he flew down the court. And conversely, when he had the ball in his hands, it was like I was watching Russell Westbrook. He even has that, that skip and start. Mm-hmm. He's got that push. And it looks like he's just moving the court with him. I mean, he there's just like a gravity, a gravity to him in the open court that is special. And, and you you almost hold your breath every time he has the ball in his hands or someone else has the ball and he's getting ready to finish because you know he can finish uh either with the ball in his hands or off of a lob. So it's there is so much excitement and like highlight real potential when it comes to Jaden Ivey on in the open court. How did you feel about his unnecessarily cool passes that he makes on the fast break? Did you see those jump passes that completely and totally unnecessary for that given play, but looked so fucking cool. I have a note in my shit. Holy shit, he passes so cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do think a lot of it comes back to he doesn't really understand how athletic and fast he is. And so when he's like, oh, shit, what do I do? Okay, maybe I'll just jump and hang out in the air a little bit. Oh, yeah, then, then I'll pass it to you. So that's kind of the, the avenue I went towards. Other, other thought could be he loves to jump pass. And he so- does. I don't have a problem jump passing. If you have a direct eyesight into who you're passing and nobody is going to be there. It's the, it's the passes where like, I think he was on the break in the first half and he just stopped at the free throw line, turned around and then like shoveled it underneath to uh, Stefanovic for the three. And I was like, I really hope he knew he had that trailer. Otherwise he just got bailed out. If, if your team is willing to have a shooting guard with all those tools, he, he, he can, return a whole lot of value and i think the wonderful thing about this class is there's arguments to be made about jabari going one chet paulo Jaden, and then even johnny so like the th- this draft is different than the last two where you knew that Lamelo and ant and james were going to get drafted you knew Cade, evan and uh, jalen were going to get drafted one two and three in some order and this one it really depends on like you know, what the evaluators think is the best one. I don't think there's a clear cut, clear cut one in this draft. And that makes it interesting for people like us that are evaluating talent. Like there's so many different games and body types and how they play. Like I would say the four players that we've reviewed, they all play basketball and that's about it in their games. There's nothing really similar between, um, Jabari and Paulo, they're 6'10 and play basketball, and that's where their similarities end. This is a very fun draft class to really dive into early comparative to what we do in the past. So if we are both projecting Jaden Ivey as a shooting guard, who are some point guards or archetypes of point guards that would best work alongside him and complement him? I feel like you got to have a legitimate pull-up shooter like Damian Lillard. Like you need somebody to help space the floor. If you're trying to make him look as good as you can, you need to have that spacing. He he can't drive the lane on what the Blazers spacing looks like today. You need to have shooters around him so he can put his head down and drive. So I think Damian Lillard would be a really great pairing for him. It's just, you got to space the floor with him. So I would have like shooters surrounding him so you can give, give him the best chance at using what he's gifted with uh, uh, athletically. Yeah. I I think there are kind of two types of of guards that that I think would work really well. Um, Going a little bit more old school, Terry Porter. Uh, I thought he played fantastic alongside Drexler. He was able to space the floor, pull up. 
He was the primary ball handler, could run uh, pick and roll, pick and pops. He knew where to get his his players' uh, spots. And then a little more recent, Steve Nash. Again, oh, that good. Steve Nash can, can probe, find, and also keep the defense honest, space the floor, you know, catch and shoot. Um, get players who can create but also space. And I think that that's what you need. You need as much space to let the athletes like, you know, Jaden Ivy roam and, and give him his most, give him the, the most, you know, uh, landing room, basically like, like an airplane coming down to land. He needs that, that runway, give him that runway and he'll make a lot of things uh, happen. And I think there's just a benefit to that because he can also help out his point guard because he is a secondary playmaker. He can drive mm-hmm. to open spots and he can take the ball handling burden off of the, that point guard. And, and we've seen teams that work well, have multiple ball handlers, have multiple decision makers. That's something that Portland has been lacking. I think really in the entire Damian Lillard era has been additional playmakers and ball handlers. So Ivy doesn't have to be the primary ball handler. He doesn't have to be a point guard, but he can get the job done. And I think mm. you just need to find that right fit uh, next to him because you need complementary players. So they all work together in unison and they kind of bring up the collective group uh, as a whole. So if we got lucky and Jaden Ivy's on the board, do you think that he and Anthony can play well together or is that a uh, good fit? I, 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 there's no way Norman Powell can play on the same team with, let's say, Damian and Jaden. That's just they're, they're too small. But what do you think the fit is with Anthony? That's super intriguing because I think Jaden is definitely the two. I would be willing to give it a season or two uh, to see if Anthony Simons can become that primary playmaker. You know what he can do. He can space the floor, which is, which is you know, kind of it checks off one of the boxes. But can he be enough of a playmaker? Because right now he kind Who's of Who's a better has... playmaker between those two? I would go Ivy, honestly. And I and we've spent, like, the one red flag about Ivy is he's not a good playmaker. Yeah, that's why I would give it a year or two. I mean, Simons is still incredibly young, uh, a full season running the point. There is opportunity to grow especially if you know that's maybe more of what your coach is looking for. That's more of your role. Yes, you go out and get 40, but we may need you to get 20 and 10. So I've seen Anthony do it. I mean, all you have to do is go back to that game against the Kings to close out the 2019 season, making some passes that I don't think we've seen him make sense, Mm. but maybe just let him know this is what we need. And this is how you can compliment. I, I don't think it's like, I don't jump off the page. It doesn't jump off the page to me. It's like, yes, this is like the best fit, uh, possible. But just talent-wise and size-wise and potential-wise, I think you have to give it a couple of seasons before you say, no, this isn't it. They both fit in that same age range of growing together. Uh, I think you would be a fool not to give it at least a chance. And then Damon, he, J- Damon Jaden, would that I, I be? I think that obviously is a little bit uh, better than Ant. Clearly, you have the story. But it would work like in a high leverage spot. Those two guards would work well together. I I don't think Dame is the greatest playmaker, but he's a damn good playmaker. Like he's not on the level of, of a Steve Nash or a Chris Paul, but he's smart. And I think, again, I don't think it's a perfect fit, but I think it's a pretty dang good fit. So Mm -hmm. it's a better fit than anything the Blazers have at the moment. Mm -hmm. And if Ivy's the guy, (laughs) CJ has gone, Norman's gone and, we're running with the the Ant, Ivy, and Lillard uh, backcourt, which would be interesting. I don't think it would be a three guard lineup. I think Ivy would come off the bench. No, I think if if if, if you get high enough and you're sold on Jaden Ivy, three of those four guards are gone. Because mm-hmm. Ivy's, I mean, you're clearly moving in a direction where you want Ivy to be your starting two. It has to depend. Do you want to go Simons or do you want to go Lillard? And then you move off the others mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's kind of i know people are going to listen to this and kind of roll their eyes oh god another six four another six five guard but does he play that, like a six four guard do you because i definitely didn't think he was six oh no, he plays like a big guard uh plays like a, a a big strong kind of a throwback guard in in my point of view i you actually want to hear your comp for him because i we might have a similar one i have got so this was probably 
aside from Chet, which I don't think it's really possible to comp out right now, uh, just because of the size and weight and skill um, on both ends of the floor. Ivy took me a long time to really find comparisons at his floor, his middle, and his ceiling. I think what I love about this prospect, the floor is still pretty high. Oh, yeah. A really high ceiling. I, the, you kind of watch prospects and some you're like, and I'll just throw this name out there because that's how I felt. There's like a, a Kelly Oubre Jr. Like he was really highly rated coming out of high school. You didn't see a lot at Kansas, but you're like, he could be good, but you're not certain. Well, he turned out to be pretty good. When I watch Jaden Ivy, there's just, he has a, a sort of it factor for me that I feel like he's going to hit as a prospect. So my floor is, is I think pretty high um, in terms of a floor. And he reminds me of an Eric Bledsoe, Rodney Stuckey type of player. He's got the body that Bledsoe had coming out of the Kentucky. Now Bledsoe LeBron, has, baby. <laughs> has bulked up. Coming out of Kentucky, he still had an NBA body, but he was very athletic, very quick. Uh, Rodney Stuckey also had a lot of athleticism coming out of Eastern Washington, had a pretty good career where he had a, a string of seasons averaging like 13, 14, 15 points per game. Was I mean, both players can play the one, but they are 6'4", two guards. So that's where I, I went with the, the floors. I think they're going to have a similar impact. So I still think he's more athletic than both of those players, mm. but in terms of size, skill, uh, and types of career, that that's my floor for him. Where, where's your floor at? So I had uh my Miami heat, Josh Richardson. He, he had that God given athleticism. He developed into a good shooter, but he was always the two, not the three. And then I had a throwback that I was really scared about writing down because I could be wrong, but I thought of the athleticism and Isaiah Ryder, Blazers great. Just He was never the point guard. He averaged like two or three assists a game, but goddamn, he, he was athletic and could make some things happen downhill and with his uh, dunking. Who is your middle of the road 75th percentile comparison? So this is where he develops some sort of playmaking and he becomes De'Aaron Fox with that speed. They're both not the greatest playmakers, but he'll get the job done and be, I think, a better attitude De'Aaron Fox because De'Aaron's always had that problem with the role. Like he had it in Kentucky with Malik Monk. He wanted to be the alpha. He has it in Sacramento with Halley. He wants to be the alpha. I think Jaden's willing and ready to... uh pass it off and let someone else be the alpha, but he will be at his time. And if I've called them Jalen or Jaden, I've been watching Jalen Durant and holy shit that they're different, but those names are very similar. So if I've misquoted his name, I apologize. My 75th percentile is um, Victor Oladipo, all-star version of Victor Oladipo. Uh, I remember loving him coming out of Indiana. Again, both both similar builds, both played so well in the open court. Uh, both weren't known as shooters. Both were two guards. Uh, Oladipo per, uh, uh, participated in the slam dunk contest. I mean, he's always been crazy athletic. I remember when I worked for the Blazers, it was the 13-14 season. So his rookie season. To kind of illustrate his athleticism, you had second year Damian Lillard going in for his tr- patented like one hand kind of turn sideways dunk that he always loves to do Oladipo met him at the top of the backboard uh, the square and just kind of like grabbed the ball and took it away one of the best blocks I've seen in person so to give you an idea of how I mean I know a lot of people think of Victor Oladipo now after the injuries but Oladipo in Indiana uh, pre-injury all-star very, very, very good player. I mean, never probably going to be a first or second all NBA player, but he may sneak in a third team there. Definitely an all-star, maybe two to three time all-star. So I think that's like on average, I think that's where Jaden Ivy uh, comps out at. If you do like, you know, hundred, hundred simulations, that's the, probably the, the one most likely in my opinion. When we're shooting for the stars, I, I, I definitely see, some Dwayne Wade in him with the athleticism and the the skill set. So that's like my hundredth percentile outcome. I think DeJounte Murray 
a faster DeJounte is a very good 90th percentile. I think DeJounte should get uh, most improved and then he'll be an all-star a, a few times. But I think Dwayne Wade, if we're just shooting for the stars, I think I see a lot of D Wade and Jade. Dwayne Wade was also, I had a, I had a hybrid. So D Wade was part of that hybrid. I remember him coming out of Marquette. Um, I mean, he was nicknamed flash for a reason, just super quick and athletic. Um, again, a two guard that could handle the basketball. And that's really where I went with these comparisons. Like who are some shooting guards that could handle, but were never going to be a, a lead initiator. The player that I want, that I just, I kept going back to, and I kind of had to like tell myself no, but then I was like, no, th- this is the player that I kind of think he could be is a six, five version of Clyde Drexler. Drexler Drexler was a playmaker with the trailblazers. Didn't have the prettiest shot. It was a standstill shot as well. He had a, he had a, a hard one line drive head down with his right hand, but you knew he was going to get to his spot. He could rebound. He could fill up the box score. He he took over games without taking a lot of shots. Um, the Just the athleticism in terms of throwing down those dunks. I, I think Drexler was a more smooth and fluid player. And I think uh, Ivy was a more quick player. But just from what I saw in terms of, okay, this guy, he, he may have a bad shooting night. He's never going to be the best shooter. They kind of, you know, need a little bit of space to shoot. Doesn't have a lot of dribble combos, but there is a lot of potential for Jaden Ivy to fill that box score. So I, I, I really thought the quickness of Wade, maybe a, a smaller version of Drexler. If, if he hits, you're getting a hall of fame, top five shooting guard of all time. I mean, that those are what those two are. Those are top five shooting guards of all time. They have similar attributes and again, that it was a shooting for the stars. But when, when I was looking at Ivy and I was thinking back, I was like, you know what? We really haven't seen a player in the NBA like Clyde Drexler since Clyde Drexler. And I was like, I don't know if he's exactly like him, but there are a lot of similarities. And if he's even able to grow another inch, I mean, watch out. Yeah. I feel like Ivy has much better. I, I, I think you might be a little too low on his dribbling. I think that he can't, I think he can dribble pretty well, but I, 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 as you were explaining your ideas for the comp of Clyde, I was like, I get it. I definitely get it. He just needs to be six, five, six, six. Cause I feel like Clyde used that, that, that height to, for his advantage. A lot of the times, especially in the nineties when it was way more physical, I think that, that extra inch might be might mean something, especially with athletes being bigger, stronger, faster now. But I, I definitely do see the similarities in the comp. Um, were there any other players in the uh, the game that caught your eye? So we were talking about the Purdue Boilermakers taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels. Purdue won that matchup 93-84. Um Ivy played 34 minutes, 22 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, two steals, just one turnover, um, shot eight of 17 from, from the floor. So he was the player clearly that stood out the most to me. But if you're looking for, I think, a Miami Heat type of steal, guys who just come in and know how to shoot and they work around him, I really love Sasha Stefanovic. She's a fifth-year senior. There's not a lot of potential there. He kind of is. He kind of is who he is, but he can get his shot off so quick. He has Mm -hmm. such range. He moves without the ball. He just feels like a Kyle Korver type of nightmare off the bench that when he comes in, you have to pay attention to him. So for that ability alone to free up other players um i i i hope he gets a a a, uh, a look in the second round because like duncan robinson i believe was undrafted uh miami's found uh, max Struess, who i've never heard of until he was with miami um it just feels like a heat type of player so if, if miami gets sasha stefanovich uh just be in for 48 minutes of pain because they know how to find shooters he was the guy that i was like 
yeah, he's got an NBA skill set. And to be a bench player in the league, you have to have an NBA skill set. And he definitely has one for sure. Thank you for letting me have Travion Williams. I, you can have Travion. I, I'm not a fan of Travion. Really? Because I think like I, I, it's Caleb Swanigan. It's Caleb Swanigan, and I've seen how I'm ready to be hurt way. again. Okay, I'm ready to be hurt again by a big that can pass well. I think that his game is more diverse. Like I think that Travion's a better prospect than Caleb. I know that's a very easy comp to do achieve. I don't think Caleb went. Caleb was the Big Ten Player of the Year. What first round? First round, like they have similar builds, the same number. Like when I was watching the game, I was I had to like double take to start the game like three or four times. I was like, is that that literally looks like Caleb Swanigan, both you know physically and how he performs on the court? I think Travion Williams is a fantastic college prospect. He has great vision, but the, he's he's not the best be passer to, on the Purdue team. Very, sure. very low. Caleb Swanigan was a great <laughs> passer too, but you're not going to dump the ball into him and, and let him shoot his hook shots. That That's not going to, to work. I think he's worthy of a second round pick. I, I am just, if I had never had seen Caleb Swanigan in the NBA, I would be stoked on him as a prospect too. I, I've just... I think that's exactly who he is, but you clearly see something else, which is. Oh yeah. I I think that he is one of those guys. I know that his body shape doesn't look like what you want in a center, but he performs some things that NBA teams need with the DHO operator, a good passer. He has shown the ability to shoot. He did not do it in the game that we currently watched, but he is a good player. I am not saying that he is a starter level player, but I am saying that he provides a lot of things that NBA teams need off the bench. I think the NBA and especially the Portland Trailblazers have done a really bad job of filling out the bench. I think Neil O'Shea's main thing was we need to get the best starting five possible and fuck this bench. But I think 48 minutes of competent basketball is a really powerful tool. We just lost to Miami with 48 minutes of competent basketball. Travion is going to be a rotation big in this league. I'm not crowning him a starter, but he will be a useful rotation big with his passing and his defense and his, uh, I shit, I shouldn't have said passing first because that was going to be my last thing, but post his post work, he, he is a good player i think he will help a team do well off the bench stage can he guard the pick and roll in space statistically they said he can i don't i don't think so but that that's just what i think teams are going to attack him i think he has the ability to like i think he's one of those players like an like an an ennis where He's going to give you something, but he's going to take away something as well. I don't so, think he's as bad as Ennis Freedom defensively. I think he's fine. I, I just, I'm, it might be my thing with bigs that pass and score. You've got a soft spot for it. I, I, I do, but I think that he is, there is an absolute chance he turns into Caleb. Absolutely. But there's also a chance he's helping a team like Grant Williams. Because did you watch Grant Williams at Tennessee? Those two did the same thing. Like Grant Williams moved better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what you you have to be able to move. So that's. I mean, I I think he's a better prospect than the bigger center that I forgot his name of. Uh, Zach Giddy. Yeah. If if, if we had a second round pick, I would take a chance at Travion. Like we need to start drafting good basketball players. And even though you have red flags about him, he is a good basketball player. He is better than some of the bigs that we've played in the last five years because of Neil O'Shea. Absolutely. He might be one of the best passers in the draft class. I'm, I'm not. I think he is a fantastic passer. I, I just I, I worry that he's not going to be able to move uh, at the league level. If, if this were if this were the 90s, absolutely. He's a, he's a lottery pick in my mind. He has everything you want. If, if he can slim down a bit and become a little bit more laterally quick so he's passable on the defensive end where teams aren't just like p- 
picking on him constantly. If, if, if it's more of just like, Oh, he's out there. All right. We're not going to really attack him, but if we get the chance, we might, if it's just one of those, like, I think you can live with that as a team. It's when you have guys like, like Ennis where it's like, he's on the court and they are going at him every single time. He's going to have to prove that he can get some stops. And there's only one way to find out is, is getting drafted and, and making that happen. I do think he gets picked clearly. I think he was the, the big 10. He's all, all conference off the bench. I mean, he's very effective. Um, a lot of college players, college bigs, drew Timmy from Gonzaga is another one. Luca Garza last year from Iowa, you put up numbers in a collegiate level against a different skill set of player. They're going to have to figure out a way to transform their game a little bit to play in, in the league where it's bigger, quicker, faster, stronger, everything better. I trust um, Travion. Travion, prove me right. Did you? I didn't notice anybody from North Carolina. Did you? No. Yeah. I, I think it's it's kind of North Carolina's really fell off from. It was good to see Herbert Davis. Yeah, that's, that's I, cool. I, that program's kind of kind of taken a bit of Duke's getting all their prospects. There, there's no real NBA talent coming out of Carolina um their one and dones don't look good but then they do start doing well in the, like Nasir and, and Cole Anthony both looked terrible at Carolina mm. but that was um, like awful spacing for yeah but that, I think players are starting to realize that like I need to go to a place that's going to get me drafted especially if you're going one and done like who who can get me into the league who can get me high who can showcase me and then definitely you know, not Gonzaga to, then <laughs> then you're starting to see players like like Jaden Ivey, who he's going to get drafted from Purdue, and like you can go anywhere uh, if, if you're if you're a good player. Find the system that that best fits you, and it's going to make you look the best. Um, so I think players are smart. I mean, there's social media has been kind of like a game changer. You don't just have to go to a blue blood program to to get noticed anymore. So mm-hmm. I think Carolina's got got some work to do but there hasn't really been a, a prospect in the past couple of years where i've been like oh we've got to catch a carolina game mm. yeah it's mostly been duke if we're talking about the carolinas yep yeah um thank you for, so much for listening do you have anything else you want to say or are we off to uh watch some johnny davis tape yeah uh well first of all this is our before we wrap it up, this has been our fourth Future Friday. We have discussed uh, Jabari Smith from Auburn, Paolo Banchero from Duke, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, and now Jaden Ivey from Purdue. I'm ready to rank them one through four. It's a mini right. big board. Okay. What is, your, what is your one through four with those prospects that we have talked about so far? Um, number one is uh, Jabari. Number two, goodness gracious. I, I, I remember saying this on uh, an old uh, Future Friday that there was a big space between them. I think the space is lessened. Um, I think that it's Jabari, Chet, Paolo, and then Jaden. Interesting. I will go Jabari. I agree. I think that space has widened. Uh, oh, really? Jabari, what if Chauncey Billows makes him a three? I mean, let's not talk about Chauncey Billups on this podcast, please. Okay, because that I think that he's got enough playmaking for a four, but the second they think about putting him at the three, it ain't good enough. I so I have Jabari one, I have Jaden Ivy two. Ooh, I think he is exactly what you want out of a a, a two guard if you can find the right point guard with him. I think he gives you something a little bit different and i know you think shooting guard you'd want a guard to be able to shoot incredibly well but a lot of players in the league can shoot so you can find that compliment at the one what he does i think what made you know drexler and wade so special was he fills up the box score and he can impact the game without the ball really in his hands and i just think that's so magical i think that's so important so i hit i have him at two I would probably, I think, need to watch more of Paolo, but I would go Chet at three just for the potential and then Paolo at four just because I think he's probably the most NBA ready. But after watching him, I I, I was the, the the least high on him 
uh, coming into that future Friday. Like, so we're going to watch more, but as of right now, I've got Smith, Ivy, Holmgren, Gunchair. You and I have been living in the Pacific Northwest for ever now. He's from Seattle, Washington. I think that because of the pandemic, there wasn't shit to do from in the Pacific Northwest. So he didn't play high level ball. And I think that really negatively affected him. When I watched Paulo pre pandemic, he was a problem. Jabari Smith lived in uh, Georgia. So he got to play basketball and that really helped out his game. I think if Paulo actually got to play high level basketball, I think the, the rankings that you did would be a lot different. I'm, I'm willing to take more of a chance on Paulo because I did, I, I could not sleep the other day. So I just watched Paulo high school uh, tape and I was like, this is a different dude. This is a much different dude than the guy that I saw. So I'm willing to be more flexible on him just because this pandemic is absolutely real and it affects everybody. Why couldn't it affect a, a basketball prospect in his development? Because when I saw him at Duke, I thought the processing speed was slow. But then when I watched him in high school, I was like, oh, this is a totally and completely different player than I was witnessing in our first game. So I think there's definitely – uh, an opportunity for us to watch a lot more Paolo because I think that he is a much better prospect than we saw at Duke in, in game one at Duke. All right. I think that about wraps it up, Sage. Let our listeners know where they can find this podcast at. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast. Um, we are on Twitter. Uh, it's DHaz22 and DeSage. And then Holy Backboard. Or Holy Backboard PDX for the Holy Backboard. So uh, follow us on Twitter. We're out here. We, we're providing two podcasts a week. So we're we're really grinding here. So thank you so much for listening and we're out.